Welcome to the Tell It Like It Is podcast, where we share unscripted stories of life and faith. We hope it encourages you and helps you to know that you are not alone in this journey called life. Hi, and welcome back. I really do hope that today is a somewhat of a fun episode for you. I am going to be sharing um, my life as a paramedic and as a nurse. I worked many, many years on an ambulance. I was a supervisor. I flew two years on a helicopter. And then uh, for a long time after that, I have been a nurse. I've been an ER nurse, a hospice nurse, and am currently a recovery room nurse. And you know, all along the way, Throughout medicine, I have learned some life lessons that I thought would share. I would share with you. Uh, some will be funny, some will be serious, but I hope that through it all, that there's something that you can take away from things that I've said or things that I've done that you can be like, "Oh my gosh, I hope I am never like that." <laughs> Uh, so let me just take you back to 1992. Yeah. So I had finished paramedic school uh, from the University of Alabama, Birmingham. I told you all that story. And had moved to Jackson, Mississippi and was working for a company there. And let me just tell you that... I did not know what I was signing up for when I became a paramedic. I always thought it looked fun and it was exciting. I wanted to drive fast. I wanted cars to move <laughs> when they heard my siren. And if they didn't move quick enough, I would get on the intercom, the PA system and be like, move over to the right. Let me just tell you this. When I became a paramedic, I was young 20s and I was very immature. After doing my orientation as a paramedic, I seriously questioned whether I had picked the right um, career. I had some really serious calls while in orientation, which I'm so thankful for, um, because it really did show me that when you're the first one on the scene, whether the person is shot, whether they've been in a car wreck, whether they've fallen down the stairs, they have an unknown pain, whatever. They're looking to you to know everything. And that's a scary thought that a young 20-year-old female, very immature, is showing up with what she feels like is all the knowledge that she ever needed. And I was humbled very quickly <laughs> in realizing I needed a whole lot more knowledge. But anyway, let me just take you back. Early 90s. Uh, I am a paramedic and we get a call to a little boy who has fallen off of his bike. Lesson one, never assume you know what you're going to. So I get there. This little boy, he's probably eight years old, laying in the middle of the road, hollering. Now, you guys, I mean carrying on like a car has hit him. And I walk over to him. I am not compassionate to him. And I, I'm like, what's your problem? Well, I was riding my bike, he says. And I hit a bump and I fell off. And I said, then get up. 
And he was like, I can't get up my leg, my leg. And he's carrying on. And I'm like, stop acting like that. Stop. Because in paramedic school, they teach you in a trauma situation that you assess head to toe. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm assessing him. His head is fine. He has not hit his head. His one and only complaint is his leg. So I go to take his shoe off. He comes unglued. And I'm like, dude, dude, stop. Like, literally, let me get this straight. You're riding your bike and you fell off to the side. Yes, ma'am. Okay, be still, please, and let me take your shoe off. I don't see any scrapes. I don't see anything. So we decide, well, we're going to cut his pant legs because he's wearing jeans. So we're, I cut his pant leg. I see nothing. And I'm like, can you walk to the ambulance? I can't walk. I can't. And I'm like, oh, my word. So we get the stretcher. I put him on it, and I take him to the emergency room. Now, I am doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing as a paramedic. I'm still not finding anything, and I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe that this little boy is acting like this. So we get him to the hospital. I give the report to the ER doctor and the nurses, clean up my ambulance, and go back to work. Well, I end up later that day uh, going back to that hospital, and they said, hey, you know that little boy you brought us fell off his bike? I'm like, yeah, you didn't find anything, did you? And they're like, oh, no, he went to surgery. And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, oh, he he snapped his femur, which is that top bone that's so big. He snapped it in two, and it was so displaced. How I missed it, I do not know, but they went in there to put a rod. So I learned it may not look like an emergency, but if they are carrying on, then from that point on, I learned I am going to treat you with respect, and I'm going to treat you as if there is something horribly wrong. So I felt so bad for not having compassion for that little guy. And then another time I get a call. It is for chest pain. And so we go blaring, lights and sirens blaring, right? We pull up, I jump out, I've got my bag, I've got the EKG monitor, which is going to show me their heart rhythm. Like I'm going, and the lady's standing right there at the end of her driveway. And so I stop and I look at her and I'm like, did you, did you call for an ambulance? Uh-huh. And I'm like, are you, are you having chest pain? She said, well, yeah. I said, you're, you're having chest pain. Yeah. Okay. Are you able to get into the ambulance? Yeah. Okay. Um, let me take the straps off the stretcher and I'll get you to climb on up. Now, I want you guys to know that this lady was probably, I don't know, give or take 300 pounds, okay? And so I help her get up into the ambulance. I get her strapped in and I'm like, okay, so I'm getting her vital signs. And I'm like, okay, so explain your chest pain to me. You know, normally we want to know like, when did it start? Does it radiate anywhere? Do you have any shortness of breath? I take a look at the person. I see, are you pale and sweaty? And like, I'm assessing all of these things in my head. And this lady looks perfectly fine. She's not having any trouble breathing. She just climbed up into my ambulance and sat down and everything is checking out. And I said, so, so tell me about this chest pain. 
And she said, well, I have a lump right here in my boob. And I'm like, wait, in in your, like the breast? Uh-huh. You called 911 because there's a lump in your breast. How long has that been there? Oh, it's been there for years. And I'm like, okay, well, um, you're in the ambulance. Let's take you to the hospital. On the way, she says to me, can I eat? And I said, no, like, don't, please don't eat. We, we say don't eat because if there's something going on, which I'm pretty sure at this point, there's nothing critical or emergent going on, but should there be, and you needed surgery, I, I would want you to be able to have surgery and not say, well, I let her eat something on the way. And she was like, so I can't eat. I said, no. And, and I, I don't have anything for you to eat anyway. And so I don't know if y'all ever seen a patient sitting in the back of an ambulance, but if, if they're sitting upright, they make almost a 90 degree uh, angle and their back is to um, imagine the person driving the ambulance. The two backs are almost back to back, right? And there's a, a chair um, that can sit there at the stretcher. Um, and so if I laid them flat there, I would be looking down at their face. Okay. And so I sat down in that chair for just a moment to gather up a couple of things, paper that I needed to fill out and all of that. And I go and I sit on the seat next to the stretcher and she's eating a hamburger. And I said, where, what, stop, stop, stop. Where did you get this hamburger? And she's, well, I had it with me. And I'm thinking, you don't have a purse. You don't have a bag. You just have on your big dress. And I said, where did, wait, where was this hamburger? She lifted up her very large breast, put the hamburger back up underneath it, and dropped her breast on top of it. Okay, the face that you're making right now at the thought of that story is exactly how my face looked in that moment. I couldn't contain how grossed out I was. I was like, oh my gosh, you store hamburgers under your boobs. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, so lesson two, if you're ever in a pinch and you need a place to store your burger and you are a woman and you are well endowed, just lift your breast up and you can store one up underneath there. I think, though, I'm going to pass on that. (laughs) Okay. All right. So um, one other lesson that I learned is to never, ever, ever, ever assume that nothing is wrong with your patient. So I had um, an elderly lady come in. She was in her 80s and her daughter, who was, I don't know, 50s, 60s, brought her in. And so I go into the room, I introduce myself. And now at this point, I'm a nurse, not a paramedic. And I walk in and I say, hi, my name is Andrea Gardner. I'll be your nurse. What's going on? Well, she keeps burping. And I'm like, you keep burping, burping, like just a burp. And I, all of a sudden she's like burping. And I'm like, wow. Okay. How long have you been burping? And she said, well, it just started. Um, a little bit ago, but I'm not stopping. And I'm like, okay, any burning with the burping? Nope, no burning. 
Any chest pain? Mm-mm. Any shortness of breath? Nope. Any nausea, vomiting, diarrhea? Uh-uh. Any shortness of breath? No. Have you been pale or sweaty? No. Okay. Have you gone to the bathroom today? I have. Anything abnormal? Nope. Perfectly normal. So you're just burping. I'm just burping. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable? No, but it won't stop. Okay. So because of her age, we do everything. We do blood work. We do um, chest x-rays. We run all of her cardiac tests, her enzymes, the EKG, all of this. We are not finding anything. And so we're really, you know, kind of trying to figure out as we're waiting for all the tests to come back, what do we do? So, of course, we give her medicine. It's called a GI cocktail. And if you've ever had heartburn so bad that it's taken you to the hospital, they've probably given you a GI cocktail. And so we give her that. And one of the things in that is lidocaine, and that's a numbing agent. And sometimes that can help, like, settle um, down the stomach. Honestly, like, I've never had anybody burping, and I've given them a GI cocktail, and they feel better. But if you have heartburn, and I give you a GI cocktail, a lot of times it works. It didn't work on her. She's continuing to burp. So I'm like, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to, you know, finish letting all the tests come in. We're going to put the puzzle pieces together. I doubt that we're going to keep you. Um, Nothing's showing as of yet, but the doctor will make that determination, not me. And the daughter and the the, um, mother agreed. Okay, that sounds like a fine plan. Wonderful. So I go out and... You know, as a nurse, we have them hooked up to the mantra. I can see her vital signs at the nurse's station. I check on her, you know, periodically. And especially because I had four rooms and they're all right next to each other. I'm walking by, I'm laying eyes on her, everything else. And the daughter says, hey, I'm going to step out for a minute. I'm going to run to the cafeteria, get something to eat, bring it back. Perfect. Go ahead. Well, while she does, I look at the monitor And I notice something is not right. And I go back running into the room and the lady has stopped breathing and has no heartbeat. And so I call out to the desk. I, you know, I'm calling a code blue and that means all hands on deck. We move her up to the trauma room. And by the time the daughter comes back with her food, we're doing CPR on her mother who unfortunately had a massive heart attack, but nothing showed on any of the tests. So it wasn't as if we missed anything. But I realized in that moment, I had always heard that women do not have the same symptoms as men a lot of times. Okay, not every time. Please do not say, Andrea said, women don't have the same Symptoms. If you're having chest pain, shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, please go to the hospital. Okay. But as ladies, sometimes it shows up different, like jaw pain, shoulder pain, burping. I don't know. Anyway, I learned in that moment do not have preconceived ideas of what you think is going on. And so in all of my years of medicine, I have come to understand, I have come to realize that sometimes it's not a real emergency. Your chest pain really isn't chest pain. It's more breast pain. But falling off your bike can, in fact, 
break your leg in such a way that you need surgery to fix it, or burping could be leading up to a heart attack. And so I learned to treat my patients with respect, to listen to them, to not rule anything out, and not to try and come up with what I think is or is not happening. I just wait for all the test results to come out. I'm going to treat you with proper treatment, and we're going to hope for the best. So those are just like three stories. There are so many stories from all of my years in EMS as a paramedic and a flight medic and then as an ER nurse. But I just hope that whoever you encounter today, this week and next week, this month, whatever, that you treat them with respect, that you listen to them and you know, if they say that something's going on, give them the benefit of the doubt. And I am not just talking about a medical emergency. You know, there's a lot of people walking around whose hearts are hurting, who are having anxiety or depression, feel isolated. Um, You know, if you've got somebody like that, reach out to them, let them know that they're loved and that you're there for them. And look, you don't have to have all the answers. Just be there. Just be their friend. Take these life lessons that I've learned and use it for good. Do not be that young, immature, 20-something-year-old that I was. Thank goodness I am so far removed from that. All right, you guys. I hope that you have an amazing, an amazing, an amazing weekend. And I want you to know you are loved. Y'all have a great day.